the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We are excited that you're joining us here today. We're going to be talking about another topic of how you can take control of your own career. And who better to help us and dive into this content right now, especially as we're looking at a, an economy where job search may become more important than ever, or not important than ever maybe, but I guess we're seeing unprecedented unemployment numbers. So perhaps that's true. Then Alexandra Levitt. And Alexandra Levitt has spent, I don't know, the last at least 10 years researching what the future of work will look like. And she uh, most recently has written a book called Humanity Works, Merging People and Technologies for the Workforce of the Future. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the workforce of the future and what that looks like. But before we get to that topic, we're going to talk about the secrets of successful job seekers. And Alexandra, I'm glad that you're here to join us. Thanks for having me, Marie. It's always good to talk with you. Yes. So this research on the secrets of successful job seekers was done by the Career Advisory Board um, out of DeVry Institute. And tell us a little bit about that research and and when, when it was. Sure. Well, first of all, I think the most interesting thing about it was it was five years ago now that we did this research um, where we surveyed about 600 U.S. professionals of varying ages across multiple industries to determine what sets the most successful job seekers apart from the pack and how we define the successful job seeker was someone who uh, either received a job offer without ever actually starting a job search, so we call those passive job seekers, or they accepted a position less than six months after starting their search. And what I find fascinating about that today is all of the same things that we found that successful job seekers were doing five years ago, more or less, they're still doing those things. So in other words, those things work, and so we should stick with them, and we can definitely talk about what some of those things are. Yeah, and so this was a time where the economy was bouncing back a little bit from the 2008 recession, but it wasn't quite, you know, the employees market that had become most recently. And so people were still Mm -hmm. struggling. And it's interesting that you say, you know, the successful job seeker landed within six months, because most people would think, oh, my gosh, that's forever. But of course, we know that the average job search is at least six months, if not longer, in a down economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially, yes. What are what are some of those secrets? Well, first of all, and I know that this is probably not a surprise to people who, are, who listen to this show, but um, effective job targeting is number one. Um, sometimes we think that if we just blast our resume across to any position that we're remotely qualified for, that we'll it'll be a game of numbers. But in fact, that's not what we found in 2015. And I don't think that's true today. I think that you have to apply very selectively according to what you think is a very, very good match. Um, In the research, I remember we found that 90% of our job seekers wouldn't even consider applying for a job 
they weren't confident that they were qualified for. So that's interesting. And we sometimes see a gender breakdown with that, where women feel they need to be more qualified than men. But um, in this research, we did not see the gender breakdown. We saw both genders saying that they felt like they needed to be pretty qualified um, in order to even submit their resume online. So even the most simple thing. Um, We actually found back in 2015, and I think this is a tough one given the current climate we're in now, but um, to somehow move past digital communications, um, most people connect via LinkedIn or they connect via job boards, and that's fine, but at some point you need to establish a personal relationship with someone, ideally someone who is in a good position to hire you, but at very least someone who has influence within the organization and can direct you to the right person. And I think in this era of COVID-19, obviously no one's seeing anyone in person. So what you can do instead, though, is try to establish a one-on-one personal connection via email or a LinkedIn message so that you're not just sending your resume into the black hole of an applicant tracking system, but you've actually made contact with an individual. So that's, that's the way that you can do it now. And then uh, another thing that we found that was, was kind of interesting is that uh, job seekers that are successful are actually very good about how they use their time. We found that only about 7% of job seekers who were looking quite a bit, but only they spent only three hours a day um, or more applying for positions. Um, the most successful job seekers spent only between one and three hours a day job searching. Um, and some people the more seasoned you are in your career, the less time you're willing to spend, less than an hour a day for people who are over the age of 40. So the the secret to this is actually scheduling time for your job search and deciding how you're going to locate the best positions, how you're going to research companies, um, what hiring managers you're going to uh, contact to learn more about the role. And the very important thing that I know we always talk about is customizing your resume um, to the position so that they can instantly, the hiring manager or whoever's reviewing it, make the connection between your expertise and the job at hand. You don't want them to have to make too much of a leap <laughs> or have to think about it too much. You want to do the hard work for them. I think if you do those things, you don't necessarily have to spend all day long, um, meaning you know, 12 or 14 hours a day looking for a job. Yeah, and there's some connections there, obviously, that if we're more focused, if we're applying for positions mm-hmm. that we have the qualifications for, we're not going to be needing mm-hmm. to spend as much time targeting our resume, which means that we don't have to spend as much time job searching. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And that's one of the activities that oftentimes takes a, a lot of time suck, right? Because we get into the depths mm-hmm. of our resume and the the wording and, and maybe taking it past where it's actually productive. So what other ways do you think this may have changed in the last five years? Are there other things you might find today that would be true of a successful job seeker? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, One thing I'll point out pertains to the research specifically, and that's that when we looked at this in 2015, we found that only about a third of successful job seekers were making very active use of LinkedIn. I think that's changed today. I would say it's far more than a third. I obviously haven't done the survey again, but that would be my very, very strong inclination is to say that you've got to be on LinkedIn. You've got to be active on there commenting on other people and organizations who are of interest, 
posting your own articles, ideally, um, connected with the right people, um, looking at your network to see who you can potentially get introduced to. And when you do make an introduction, personalize it. Don't just send someone a connection request if they're not going to remember who you are. It's just very important to have great LinkedIn etiquette and for people to be able to look at your profile and instantly tell what it is you do, what you're looking for, and the fact that you're serious about your professional development and your career. So that is something that I think has shifted in the last five years. And with respect to the COVID situation in particular, I think that what's setting people apart now is having a fine line, and Marie, I don't know what, you you probably have your own opinion about this, but I I think it's treading the fine line between being too aggressive and being too passive. I think people who are too aggressive just pretend COVID is not happening and that it's business as usual. And, you know, they kind of pester hiring managers or recruiters and, um, you know, they're applying for jobs left and right that may or may not be real jobs at this point. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of spending a lot of time on positions that may be listed with an organization but may be old or they haven't validated them. Um, and I think this is a mistake because you're just going to end up wasting a lot of time when, when the truth is organizations are hiring, but you've got to be very selective in who you go after because there are some industries that are just decimated right now and aren't hiring anyone. And so you have to understand what's going on in the world at large. You have to know that hospitality, retail, those types of, um, by and large, except for like groceries, <laughs> which are up on the up. But um, many industries are, are having a hard time. And so those aren't going to be where you want to spend your energy. And so I think people who are successful are being smart about those things, selecting their industry, um, crafting their expertise, to um, the current needs of many organizations. So one thing I hear a lot of smart and savvy college grads doing is offering unique technical expertise to organizations who are struggling getting their entire workforce online, collaborating with digital tools. And if you're a young professional, like this is something that you might excel at. So offering them something that they can use immediately and then just being cool and being flexible as much as possible. This is not a job market that is like anything we've ever seen before. So you're just going to have to do the best you can and try not to freak out. I know that's easy for me to say, but in fact, I've lost a great amount of work myself. So I think I, I am qualified to, to say, you know, let's not, let's not freak out. Let's be measured. Let's be sensible. And let's be cognizant of the fact that this is a stressful and difficult time for anyone regardless of whether they're a hiring manager or recruiter, the people that you're dealing with as a job seeker are freaking out and stressed out just as much as you are. So be sensitive to that uh, and don't just kind of go in with a bulldozer because that will probably not go over well. And of course, with respect to in-person interviews, well, those we know are not happening by and large. So you've got to know your your, uh, digital presence. You've got to look at some videos on YouTube about how to do a good interview online and follow that advice. And if you're going to do it on the phone, same thing. But uh, do your best. And that, I, I think, is, is really the best advice I can give at this point. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. and we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this and then talk about where things are going in the future and how we can be prepared to move forward. Because, of course, as we're looking for this next job, 
uh, we want to find something that is going to be as, as long-term as possible and set us up for a long-term career trajectory. So we're going to chat a little bit about what those trends might look like. And we'll be right back here on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking with Alexandra Levitt about two topics here. The first one, the successful secrets of job seekers and those people that are are successful. We talked about how they're focused, they align their search with their experience. So they are applying for positions that they have 75% of the qualifications for. And and then you were talking about their networking, right? That they make those one-on-one connections. And yes, you can still do that in this virtual world. And in fact, I've found people more often more open to that, it seems like, Alexandra. People are kind of hungry for it. And so when you reach out on LinkedIn and ask someone if they want a, you know, 15-minute Zoom call, I'm getting better response on that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because everybody's sort of in the mindset of having a generosity of spirit where you want to do whatever you can to help someone else out. And also, I think people, it's not necessarily that people have more time. Their time is just being differently. So they're not, most people are not running around as much, which gives them time in front of the computer to do something like a 15 minute Zoom call. So I wouldn't say that people are just, you know, hiring managers or recruiters are just kind of sitting around. I wouldn't say that, but I think people are in, in the right space to be receptive. So that's a really good point. Yeah. And as we're thinking about this, um, you know, people are oftentimes kind of encouraged to pivot during this time. And that really depends on your situation. If you have, mm-hmm. 
well, you might decide to pivot because your career is being eliminated. And then I would just say, mm -hmm. stay as close as you can as possible, because as we were just saying, the people who are successful stay in their area of expertise. And if you want to make a career change, now can be a good time because there's so much disruption, but you have to have the financial backing to do that because any career change takes time. So, mm -hmm. you know, as you're thinking about this future that we're just going to dive into here, um, it mm -hmm. may be a good time to pivot toward the future. Or it might be time to just barely pivot with this future in mind. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point in that there's a lot of industries that are being disrupted in big ways where the game was set with a bunch of pieces on the board and for most organizations, the game board just got thrown up in the air and the pieces haven't yet landed. And so that is an opportunity, I think, to really start to think about when the pieces come down, where am I going to be able to add the most value? And, and some of that is understanding where the world of work was going before COVID happened. And we can talk a little bit about that. Um, one thing that was happening was organizations were starting to make uh, greater use of contract workers and remote workers even before <laughs> we all had to work from home. Uh, they were starting to formulate what are called swarm teams, which means a team was assembled and it could include contract workers, subject matter experts, consultants, full-time employees, um, and some artificial components like algorithms and chatbots um, for the express purpose of solving a specific business problem. And these teams would be formed very quickly and they would disband very quickly. And so we were starting to see trends like people graduating from college and never actually getting a full-time position. They would get a series of contract positions where they would move from one project to another. And if they were lucky, they would be able to translate that into some sort of long-term employment. So that was a trend that was absolutely happening. We were finally starting to see um, the baby boomers exit from management positions and the smaller Gen X and then the larger millennial or Gen Y generation um, coming in and having a different way of managing organizations that was much more flexible, agile, um, transformational, open to different and new perspectives. And so we're starting to see um, organizations um, shift a little, becoming less hierarchical, um, focused on the bottom line, but also focused on sustainability. So these were things um, that were already happening. Of course, things like strategic automation, we were seeing that there's a lot of technology that can do a lot of things. But at the end of the day, anytime you insert a machine into a human-driven process, you need human oversight, somebody to design it, to build it, to fix it when it breaks, to figure out how you're going to redeploy it. And you can't just blindly automate things, which is what a lot of organizations were doing. They were saying, well, a machine can do this task, so therefore it should. And we're starting to see organizations think far more strategically about all right, well, I do want to automate this and save money, but what kind of human participation do I need in that? And so what I would, was recommending to people before, which I think now is an amazing time to do it, is look at your role and really be honest about what is coming down the pike in your industry and in your job. Can your job be automated? Which components can be automated? What value could you still bring um, if parts of your job are automated. Because if we really break down the numbers on this, Marie, 
we learned that there are actually very few jobs today that can be 100% automated. It's, it's not common at all. We don't have what's known as artificial general intelligence, meaning that machines can just like come on in and take over a human's job. Like, that is not going to happen for about 10 to 15 more years. So you have an opportunity now to figure out how you're going to work with the machine so that the company can get the most bang for its buck. And now during COVID is a great time to actually give that some thought to assume that the new world of work is going to involve more automation because organizations are really going to need it. They're going to need the cost savings and need the efficiency. And what role can you play that's essential? And I think that we have more, a little bit more time. Some of us um, have been laid off or furloughed. Uh, some of us are just not commuting, so we're still working, but we have extra hours in the day. It's really good to take this as an opportunity to figure out what your next move is going to be, because even if you keep your job, your job's going to change. And that was going to happen prior to COVID regardless. Yeah, and this kind of AI, you know, robots taking our job conversation we've been having for a while because there was these, you know, predictions that, I don't know, 40% of our jobs would be replaced by technology. And then um, there was some data that said yes and 40% new jobs will be created because of the technology. So it's right. less about the robots mm-hmm. are taking, oh, they are taking our jobs, but they're also creating jobs. And it's our our ability to adapt that's really going to make us or break us, right? Yeah, that, that's right. And that's why I think this is a great training ground for people. And in fact, there, there's been a lot of hand-wringing around the class of 2020. So the, the people who are graduating from university this spring, it's like, what are they going to do? Their lives have been ruined. And I actually think there's no better boot camp for having a 21st century career than coming out during this situation, because you are going to learn how to be agile, how to be flexible, how to have uncertainty tolerance, how to have good interpersonal skills when you might not be in front of someone. And these are all really, really important things. And so, yes, your life may not be look exactly like how you thought it would um, coming out of school. And that's true for all of us <laughs> who are living through this environment. But I think there's a lot of really good lessons to be learned because not only are things never going to be the same from this, but there will be more disruption. We are just, we're in a time of disruption. That's just kind of how it is. And we were saying the same thing before there was a pandemic. So now we just, I, I think it's a great opportunity because organizations are forced now to be more forward-thinking, which ultimately is going to be better for job seekers and employees that will be able to to go into an organization and be innovative and try new things and be efficient, whereas before you might kind of get stuck in a role or be cog in a wheel and there was no real motivation to change anything, whereas now I think um, is is a fantastic chance for both organizations and their employees to, to make a real tangible difference. Well, it's interesting. So the director of e-recruiting for Intel, amazing gentleman, he's going to do a live session with me on um, Facebook Live on Friday. And he was saying that this is also a great time for those new graduates and for the rest of us to look around at mm-hmm. companies that are doing well right now and say, okay, yeah. this is great. It's, there's kind of a selection process that says, hey, these companies mm-hmm. have, have pivoted quickly. Obviously, if they're doing okay, they've been able to make people work remote quickly, which means they are good at change management. Mm-hmm. And so we can look around at the businesses that are hiring, which there are lots, and we've got a, a website up on the Career Thought Leaders website, who's hiring. 
Um, there are a lot of people that are hiring right now, and it's not just the Walmarts and the Amazons, although oftentimes people think, you know, if Amazon's hiring, it's that they want me in their warehouse, and that's not true. There are a ton of work from home, project management, data entry, all, all kinds of positions with Amazon. Um, and you can look and see, okay, these companies pivoted quickly, and that's the type of company that I'd like to work for. I think that's a brilliant point. You do see, and you also see, um, from a branding and a reputation standpoint, what organizations are made of during a crisis. Like you see organizations that are being called out for both good and bad behavior. And that really gives you a lot of information that sometimes you would have had to wait years being employed with an organization before you would learn. And so that helps you kind of steer clear because you do want to work for an organization that's, that's doing right by its community and by its people, even when sometimes that means there are sacrifices that need to be made. I, a great example that I'm seeing is a lot of organizations are having their top-level executives take pay cuts. And if you think about it, it's not that generous because they make tons and tons more money than the average person. But it does say something that, like, you know, we're all in this together. We're not going to lay people off. Instead, we're going we're gonna to take a cut and we're going to take care of our people. It's like that's just from a brand and reputation standpoint – it just it goes a long way, and I think that that's another important point that people should pay attention to. It's like who's doing well by doing good in this climate, and who's, like you said, of course, who's smart and innovative because that's going to be important too. Well, and it gives people a great connection point. Going back to the successful job seekers, you can connect mm -hmm. with someone that works at that company on LinkedIn and say, hey, I see that your company is doing X, Y, or Z to help doing this during this time. Just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate that. And I'm excited about, you know, I'm excited about what your company is doing. Yay. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. it gives that connection point. And as you're saying, it's um, also a good way to build a target list if we're going to start our job search, we can use some of these lists of companies that are, are doing well and, of course, companies that are hiring to, to build our target list. Mm -hmm. So we are um, we're talking about jobs in the future, and one of the topics that you've covered so far is this technology that's going to be changing everything. What else, maybe mm -hmm. because of COVID or even pre-COVID, how else is the workplace going to be changing? Well, I think, uh, and this kind of gets to a little bit, it's adjacent to what we were talking about, but we're going to see a lot more career customization. Like there will be much less of the, I look at my boss and I know exactly where my career is going. Um, you get, graduate from college and you are going to go from point A to point B to point C. Um, there's going to be a lot less of that in general. People are going to shift around a lot more. People are going to acquire broad uh, areas of expertise that they can use across different industries because organizations are going to want to want people who are as flexible and agile as possible, who can do a variety of different jobs in case they need to be moved around, who can learn to work with machines really quickly and figure out the best way to do that. And we're going to see that the need to rapidly upskill and reskill, and by upskill, I mean basically staying in the job you have, but learning new skills associated with that job. And reskill means learning to do a different type of job. But organizations are going to be finally looking at that in earnest, knowing that the, the world, the post-COVID world and the world in general as we approach 2030 is, is going to be different. It's going to require um, a different skill set. In fact, last year with the Career Advisory Board uh, at DeVry, we did some research on a skill group called 
applied technology skills, which means using people, products, uh, people, devices, people, platforms, and devices to do your job more effectively. And those skills, believe it or not, are necessary across pretty much any role. You have to know what technology is out there to facilitate your job. And that's everything from knowing that you can build an application fairly easily using a low-code platform, that um, there is an algorithm or a chatbot that you can employ, um, that there is a, for assembling swarm teams, for example, that there's a technology platform you can use for matching. And it's knowing how to integrate a piece of code onto your team to make maybe some of the administrative work more automated. And so these are skills that the majority of people who are in the workforce today were never formally trained on. So organizations are really going to be starting to not only looking at that as a competitive differentiator for job seekers, but they're going to be looking for existing employees to start ramping up that too. So not only are we going to have different types of jobs, but the one thing that's going to be consistent is that we're going to need to know how to leverage technology in any job that we have in the future. And everyone is going to have their own path that they that they do, and everyone's going to have a specialized employment arrangement. Maybe you work full-time for a couple of years, and then you go to part-time as you're making perhaps a lifestyle change. Maybe you um, are a contract worker, and then you go to work for the organization, and then you go back to being a contract worker. We're going to see a lot more customization in types of employment, and I think that's going to be ultimately a good thing for American workers. Yeah. Yeah. All this transition is hard for us to manage all at once. And I think it hit faster than we were ready for, but it was all the way things were going anyways with remote work and technology. So we're going to take a short Mm -hmm. break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation about how things are changing and how you can get the skills you need to be marketable and competitive in the new world of work. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking uh, with Alexandra Levitt about the workforce of the future and the secrets of successful job search. And Alexandra, we were just chatting about the workforce of the future and around technology and different skills that people are going to need. And the last thing you were talking about is people having these applied tech skills where they can find the technology and integrate it into their job. And one of the biggest uh, obstacles I've seen to that is just our fear, right? We are, we are afraid of technology taking our job. And so we kind of stick our head in the sand and then we get replaced by it. And we say, see, I told you that technology was going to take my job. And instead it, we really could have done something ahead of time. So what can individuals do to take some ownership and some control in this situation? Read trades, uh, especially with a futurist bent that talk about where your industry is going specifically, what cutting-edge organizations are doing with technology to make things more efficient. Healthcare is a great example of an industry that has been totally transformed by some of this, um, what we call narrow artificial intelligence or uh, algorithms that can do a very specific task. And it can do it a lot faster in many cases, like reading an x-ray or um, doing diagnostics. Uh, but that doesn't mean that healthcare is dead for humans. <laughs> I mean, if you just look at the nursing profession, um, there are so many things about a human nurse that um, a robot cannot duplicate anytime soon. So there are going to be areas within healthcare that, that are going to be automated, and there's going to be areas that require humans more than ever. And so you've got to look at your industry, see what's being written, see what's happening, and see what the developments are, and then figure out how you're going to position yourself um, to that vein. I think putting your head in the sand um, is a bad idea because organizations are going to automate stuff whether we like it or not. And the question is, have we figured out how not to be redundant, how to add value? The other thing I would do as a human being, who all of us are, um, is I would focus on skills that are uniquely human. So things like problem solving, intuition, judgment, creativity, and these are things that, again, until we have artificial general intelligence, which is at least 10 to 15 years, if not longer, away, um, we are not going to have machines who, for example, can make a judgment call about whether or not an action is good, is good for a brand, <laughs> right? The, thing, the exact things we're talking about where there are nuances about what you might be doing in, the, in this part of your COVID response. Maybe it's good for the bottom line, but it may not look that good. Well, a machine can't make that distinction. So you need a, you need a human oversight to look after the reputation of your organization. We need to, we are going to need to have uh, people in place to decide what motivates other people. Um, the entire function of human resources is changing in that um, people have become um, kind of center stage as what are driving an organization forward. Well, if you're in a human resources-related role, you're going to have to understand what motivates people to stick around, to do their best, to be engaged. A machine isn't going to be able to read that stuff. Um, and then a fi finally, people can, I think, really be interpersonally skilled. Um, this is an interesting one, Marie, because 
for a very, very long time, we saw um, technology folks, so people who were skilled in coding, et cetera, sit on their laurels with respect to their interpersonal skills because they didn't really have to have them. They were in the back room coding, and that, that was good enough. And that is actually um, far from the truth these days. The jobs that are going to be first to be automated are going to be coding jobs. And so as a person who has traditional technology skills, you've really got to be um, upping your game with respect to knowing how to game collaboration, cooperation, um, getting people to, uh, to like you, to want to work with you, building rapport. And so I would strongly suggest that, especially if you've been kind of not paying attention to those skills recently, uh, those are things that everybody should be working on because those are going to be the people that we want to engage with. When human jobs, there's going to be fewer of them in a professional sense, but the jobs that will still exist are going to be even more important. And if you've got one of those new roles that you were talking about where it's a new role that was invented as a result of technology, well, you're going to have to communicate what you do and why it matters to everyone else who might have never heard of that role. So either way, you're going to really need those interpersonal skills. So we've always talked about soft skills. I know that's nothing new to our field, but it's so much more important now that that's the differentiator between us and machines. Yeah, and you've got to be able to communicate that differentiation and mm -hmm. talk about how you work alongside technology, not mm -hmm. in that defensive, like I can do it better. Nobody, you know, I hear coaches say this, well, AI will <laughs> never be able to do coaching. Well, guess what? It already is. You kind of look out of date yeah, if I don't you're saying it that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You've got to say, this is how I bring value in addition to that AI. This is where the AI uh -huh. leaves and, right. and I, I start, I come in, right? Exactly right, Marie. And everyone has to have their own unique understanding of that because it varies by position, industry, job title. Yeah. And each, each position is going to be so different. Mm -hmm. So any, mm -hmm. any um, top tips for people thinking about longevity in their careers what what would you recommend that they do right now to to have that longevity? I'm not going to say stability because I don't think that that's realistic. Right. <laughs> but to have right. longevity in right. our careers, marketability, I call it agility to be able to move when we want to move mm -hmm. or move yeah. when we need to move. How how what yeah. do you say to people to to make that a reality in their career? I would say that in addition to doing a lot of reading on your industry and where it's going, that you want to use this as an opportunity to acquire as many transferable skills as possible. So these are skills that are relevant across a wide variety of industries and roles. They're things like sales and marketing and finance and client relations and public speaking, because no matter what type of position you end up in, you're probably going to use those skills to, you know, to some degree. And so there are a variety of ways um, if you're sitting at home and you're either, you know, kind of underemployed right now or you're just, you've got a lot more time on your hands because you're not commuting or God forbid you've been laid off or, or furloughed, this is a great opportunity to investigate. There's tons of massive open online courses and free or low cost online offerings to help you get your, you know, skills in order. And a great example of that is I, I found myself talking about analytics a lot. Um, in my talks, like, oh, you know, it would be really helpful to be able to measure whether, you know, this new technology that we're implementing is actually effective. Who's using it? Uh, what's the uptake? 
Um, is it making us more efficient? And I, I realized as I was talking about this, I should really know the basics of how analytics works. Like, how do you do it? Like, what, is it, what does it involve? And so I took, like, literally a data analytics 101 course from IBM. And it just helped me be a lot more informative when, when talking about it. And so that was so easy. It, it was free. It cost nothing. So I think people can really dig in, and, and this is kind of part two of, of the learning about your industry. What do you see happening, and what are the skills that you lack in order to take your career to the next level in a world that's going to be increasingly composed of human and machine hybrid teams, uh, where you know, humans work together and uh, machines work together and everybody, you know, kind of has their part, as you said, um, and plays to their, their own strengths. And then there's one more thing that we should kind of keep in mind, because I always like to mention this when talking about the future of work and human machine hybrid teams is that there may be a point relatively soon where, um, we don't know where we end and machines begin because humans are going to start to be augmented in our abilities. Like we may have chips inserted. We may have um, the Internet placed in, in various parts of our bodies. Um, so there's going to be a kind of hybrid that exists um, where um, you will be able to learn different skills and master different tasks in, in kind of a different way because you'll have these enhanced capabilities. So I think knowing what is going coming down the pike in your industry with respect to these enhanced capabilities is going to be really helpful because then you can kind of get on top of that and maybe even be a, a huge source of innovation for your organization. Like, hey, did you know that you know we can augment our existing capabilities by doing X? And if you're the one with that kind of intelligence, it's going to add a ton of value to a uh, C-level executives who may, might not have even ever thought of that. So it's a, it's a great time to really dig in and think about what's going to happen next. I think everyone can be a futurist. Everyone can look at patterns percolating up through the market and determine, okay, well, where do I have the, an opportunity here to add value in a way that I didn't before? Yeah, and it might be hard for us to see that right now, especially if we've lost our job and we're we're struggling, so go back to the first part of the show where we talked about the secrets mm -hmm. of job seekers. Get stable mm -hmm. first, and then start mm -hmm. to think about how do I make sure that I'm in the best position possible when this happens mm -hmm. again, because hopefully it's not yes. a global pandemic, but uh, history shows that we've got this cycle. Things go up and things go down, and we want you to be ready yeah. for this when it happens again. So, Alexandra, how can people follow you and get your books so that they can be ready when this happens again? Terrific. Well, um, the book Humanity Works is available on Amazon and, and actually most online booksellers, and I'm going to be doing hopefully another edition of that soon, so feel free to um, to let me know your feedback. Uh, I have a book for college grads called They Don't Teach Corporate in College that just came out in a new edition, so um, feel free to check that out and let me know what you think. That one's always being updated, too. You can uh, find me on Twitter at A. Levitt and also on LinkedIn at Alexandra Levitt, L-E-V-I-T. I really welcome um, the opportunity to hear from everybody who's listening. Like, what are you finding out there? What's been your experience? Um, where do you think there are gaps? And overall, I just wish people peace. I wish people um, luck. Um, this is not an easy time. And we all know that. But I, I think that if we just take one day at a time, try to take one small step at a time, you don't have to know 
what the whole path is if you just know what the immediate step in front of you is. That's all we can really do right now. And I'm I'm wishing everybody um, health and peace and love because this is a tough time. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us. And um, I really enjoyed getting to chat with you again. So thank you very much. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure, Marie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we are going to say goodbye to Alexandra. I'm going to come back for our last segment and just give you like a top five takeaways on the job search and top five takeaways on future-proofing your career. So stay tuned for that. Thank you again, Alexandra, and we'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant welcome back to the career confidant and today we've been talking with alexandra levitt about how you can take control of your career, future-proof your career, and improve your job search strategies. And again, her books, they don't teach corporate in college. If you've got a 2020 grad in your life and or you know an upcoming grad, a 2021 grad in your life, get them that book, support Alexandra, and um, get, give excellent information to that graduate in your life. Humanity Works, Merging People and Technologies for the Workforce of the Future is her her new book. So if you're thinking about how can I position myself to be employable as technology comes into my field, that's a great read. Give you the the research. Uh, Alexandra's, you know, she's a, a researcher. So you get that depth of research along with some practical, how do you actually make this happen in your life? And we're going to start on the successful job search piece here and just give you some of the top takeaways from this as she and I were, you know, bantering back and forth. Hopefully you got some of this, but we're just going to uh, hardline it here for you. This is what makes job seekers more successful. When we think about what makes a job seeker successful, um, it's really first and foremost about focus. And this is challenging because we want to say, well, I'll do anything. I'm open to anything. And we think that brings us more opportunities. 
the truth is that that hurts your search. Being open to anything, being having too wide of a net means that you're not memorable. You sound like you don't know what you want to do. And no company wants to hire someone who doesn't know what they want to do, especially right now. They want to hire people that can come in and do the job tomorrow because they are leaking their whole, there's a hole in their boat, just like there might be a hole in, in your boat. So when we think about how do we feel like a good pitch to them, how do we feel like we're going to come in and add value right away, it, we have to demonstrate that we're focused. And you might have a few areas of focus, but each one of those needs to sound singular to that person that you are talking to when they're hiring for a job. So your resume should be focused towards the types of jobs that you're applying for. It sounds a lot easier than it actually is, um, but that's what you're going for. And, and, you know, people say, oh, you know, why do employers put me in a box? Because they need to be able to lift that box and put it in the box-shaped hole in their company, fill that hole so that they're not taking on water, and, and they can be successful just like you need them to be successful. So that's our first our first obstacle is really to get focused and especially if we're job searching quickly if we need a job quickly if we are unemployed or will be the best search for you the quickest search for you is going to be directly aligned to the role and industry that you've already been playing so if you've been a customer service person in the restaurant industry you might say well i can't do that right now well, what are the nearby industries? Where could you do customer service? If you can't work in the front lines, maybe you've got asthma or you've got something going on and, and your health can do customer service over the phone for a lot of different companies. People are figuring out how to outsource their call centers. A lot of the Amazon positions are actually call center positions. Um, so you were thinking about, okay, customer service is what I do in the industry world, right? We don't want to Think about it as a server or whatever it might be. You want to think about it in terms of the role you play as customer service and how can you transition that into a different industry because that is going to be your fastest transition. When you think about transitioning your role and your industry, well, I'm going to go and do something completely different. I'm going to be an accountant or whatever it might be. It's going to be longer to get that job search. Sometimes it might require you to go back to school or require you to somehow build on an education that you haven't used in a while if you got your degree in accounting a few years ago but you've been working at a restaurant. You might start moving in that direction in a different way, but for your current job search to get out of being unemployed, if that's your need right now, you want to stay as close as you can to your last role and your last industry. That's the secret of the most successful job seekers. They're applying to jobs where they have 75% of the requirements or more. Then we've got the idea that you're networking, you're talking to people that are humans, <laughs> that do the jobs that you wanna do or that hire for the jobs that you wanna do. And you make those connections one-on-one -on -one in LinkedIn. Go back a few weeks, we had a session with Kyle Elliott 
where he was talking about how to reach out to people on LinkedIn and the message to send. You can use that same idea through Facebook or Instagram. Don't feel like you have to start with people that are foreign to you. You can start with your own friends and family and ask them, who do they know who works at Amazon? Who do they know that used to work at Amazon? So you can start your network from the inside out instead of feeling like you have to go and try to meet brand new people to make this work. Then you've got a plan. You know how you're going to spend your time. You've got that target list. You're using that target list to move systematically through your job applications, your networking. It's all coming out of that target list. And and you're using that as your guide to, to run your job search. On the industry side of things, the number one thing that I heard Alexander say multiple times was you stay in tune with what's going on in your industry. How can you do that? Listen to industry calls, read industry publications, join industry LinkedIn groups. Some of the time there's just a bunch of article posting, but figure out where do the good articles come from, from your industry and get on their direct lists so that you're getting the best stuff in your email box, things you can actually use to stay on top of it, to suggest ideas if you are are currently employed and to come up with ideas if you're unemployed. If you are employed, go to those company meetings, know what's going on in your organization. Don't get caught off guard and don't fall prey to the trap that if I got my head down and I'm working hard, I won't get laid off. No, you got your head up, you're networking, you're paying attention to what's going on in your industry. And then if you get laid off, you'll move quicker. That is your goal networking within your industry, networking within your company, knowing what's going on in the industry, knowing what's going on in your company, being a voice, being a presence that people can see and feel and hear. If you're just working on your own work, you're missing out. And now it's even harder because we're all virtual. You've got to be on those Zoom calls. You've got to be video presence so that people can see you. Don't cop out by just joining on the phone. Get yourself ready. Get in front of the video so that people can see your presence on those calls as much as possible. That's how you get yourself visible and how you continue. Join your industry association. Same thing. Get on those meetings via video. Have a presence so that you have a network if and when you need to make a transition. And of course, join us back here next week for the Career Confidant, where we'll be sharing more tips, tools, and motivation to keep you in control of your own career and your career advancement, career management. That's why we're here. If you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.